Hey guys, this is Sam and Maki, two friends born in the U.S. and raised in African families pursuing wholeness, whatever that means. This is a podcast for us by us. So come take a seat at the table and let's chop it up. Hey, 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 y'all. What's good? What's good, baby? (laughs) It's Sam and Maki. Back again. All right. Episode three. Let's go. We're at episode three. We are. And you know what I was thinking about the other day? I'm like, are we going to keep saying the episode numbers? Because what happens when we're at episode 155? We're going to be like, hey, guys, it's episode 155. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, for season one, let's you know we're gonna we're gonna celebrate each episode that we're able to drop. So. Absolutely, I like that. Celebrate, yeah. So, how you doing? What's going on with you? I'm doing good. I'm doing so much better now that I spent like five hours on the phone with you because, girl, this week was not it <laughs> for the birds. After the, the celebration birds. of the election. You know, first of all, yes, let's celebrate the fact that a black woman, black and Asian is in the White House now. Let's go. And also that we are no longer, well, soon to be no longer under the leadership of 45. And, you know, like, it's just I felt so much hope on that day. Like Philly was alive. The the vibe, the energy in the air was electric. People were honking. People were dancing. I took I pulled up a little bit with my little brown skin girl by Beyonce. And you got, you know, <laughs> you know who <laughs> I'm hyping me. But it just felt like regardless of race, age whatever gender everybody kind of felt united that day and there was a lot of love and just joy in the air so that was just great to experience it was amazing absolutely we yeah. was we was calling each other just like <laughs> dancing <laughs> just acting a fool like, man that was a great day like the days leading up to it was stress confusion mm-hmm. anxiety but that day like once we knew it was ov like it was about to end up 270 either way like ain't nothing you can do about it man like just knowing we're gonna have a president with and he's not anybody's savior like we're not trying to say that but like after the last four years hmm, we're ready for something new absolutely and there was that in the air too like I honestly realized for the first time how much the past four years had been affecting me because when I heard the news that Biden was the new president, the new president-elect, I felt like a weight was lifted off of my shoulder. It felt like I didn't even know how much of an impact uh, 45's presidency had on us, on me particularly. So it just, it feels good. It feels like the, the nation needed this because of everything that's going down and because of all the like divisiveness and the division that has been happening um, within the country. I think this was a good little win that everybody needed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You just felt light that day. Mm -hmm. I remember that like going for, and it was warm. Mm -hmm. It was like 75. Yes. It was like, 
put your windows down, like blast the music. Blast the music. And it was it was something different. Yeah. yeah. Man, what a day. Let me think. And then about after that, <laughs> girl, when I say work has been rough this week, I've been leaving work feeling so drained every day and just a lot of stuff that happened at work have has been like affecting almost my self-esteem because I haven't been performing as well as I typically do and I would like to. Mm-hmm. So work today, I was down. I was ready to like have a little cry. Uh, even last night going to bed, I had to like meditate and make sure that I was grounding myself and not leaning too much into my emotions. Um And so today when I got off, I was super sad. And then you called me and just made me laugh for like three hours straight. And now I'm ready. I feel good. I'm happy. I'm in a good place. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing, bro? Yeah, man. It was weird because I had to go out of town for work. And it was like, you know, when you go out of town, it feels like you just on the clock 24-7. Yeah. At least this was one of those trips. And um. So I didn't really have that much time to call you and I was with people. So, yeah, I felt weird because I didn't check in and it was just like, yeah, it just felt weird. But so then I didn't know, like, you know, you weren't doing that well until the last day, basically. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I'm glad we got to connect again today. Definitely. I needed that. The laughter. <laughs> This is becoming addictive. I can't get used to talking to you every day. Like this is this is not healthy. (laughs) I need some Uh breaks. This feels too good. You wish. (laughs) No, it was good. I feel like we just clown. We talk about the real stuff. We clown. It's just yeah. It feels good, so you can't get rid of me. Period. Period. Um, what are we talking yeah. about today, though? We're talking about something pretty special right now. Okay. okay. We're talking about something special. So, yeah, this is this is a special conversation because, um, mm. and we don't talk about it explicitly, um, I, I don't think, but being a third culture kid which Mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about the terminology, but basically thinking through like us being um, born in the U S but having like different life histories um, for you, you know, being abroad for so long and finally coming here for college and then me being, you know, born here, but like with my parents being immigrants Mm -hmm. and like navigating that world um, and being the eldest, I think, yeah, we just have like unique perspectives and unique ways of like, navigating like the kind of like dual identity that we have Mm -hmm. Um, and I think yeah it's just a conversation like I wanted to have like more centered on that and what that means and I think a lot of our listeners have similar identities where you know their parents are from a different place or they grew up overseas or um, yeah mostly those two camps I think like second generationers Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think like because the world is like becoming more globalized. Like that's just that population of the world is just being bigger, bigger, bigger. Um, And it's also like a big part of our, of our own stories too. Like of our identities is being a third culture kid, maybe not all that that definition encompasses, but that 
we relate a lot to um, what a third culture kid is. So I'm glad you're bringing this to the table. It's a big part of my identity. I would love to talk more about it. Absolutely. I'm glad. Okay. So let's get into it. So I'm just going to put this definition on the, on the table. Mm -hmm. So what they call a third culture kid is a person that spent a significant part of their developmental years outside of their parents' country. And so not a third culture adult, not saying like somebody, you know, the, the folks that maybe they, after um, college, they get a, a job overseas or they go and um, maybe like study abroad or something for college. Like that would be after your deve- developmental years. I'm talking about somebody that's navigating different cultures as a child. So that's mm-hmm. why they call them a third culture kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to even uh, ask you like what, like how does being a third culture kid come up in your story? Like what did that look like for you? You know, as you were defining third culture kids are people that spent a lot of their developmental years outside of their parents' culture or country of origin. The funny thing about me is that I spent most of my developmental years in Congo. I mm-hmm. left Congo when I was 13, probably. But even in Congo, I was having the third culture kid experience because I was going to schools with people from different nationalities and predominantly English speakers because my mom wanted me to speak English from um, when I was born, pretty much. (laughs) Mm. So um, although I lived in Congo and had that Congolese household and culture, when I went to school, I was also exposed to like a lot Indian culture. That's actually where I started. Like the school that I went to in the Congo first, like my primary school was predominantly Indian. Um, And then after that, it was kind of mixed with people from everywhere. Like Indian, like British English type? Indian, like Asian. South Asian. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I just meant like sometimes the English school is like British English. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. But then after 13, where did you go? Then I moved to South Africa, which I can't even begin to explain what that experience was like culturally because it was so mixed. Mm. There were people from all types of backgrounds at the school that I went to. Um, And then I was obviously living in South Africa. So I was experiencing the South African culture outside of school. And I spent most of my years in South Africa living alone primarily with, um, with a guardian. And so I feel like it didn't really prepare me for what I was going to experience in terms of in terms of being a third culture kid in America. I feel like all of those countries and all of those places have lived totally different experiences when it comes to being a third culture kid. In South Africa, it was a little bit more accepted. Even, you know, people refer to it as the rainbow nation because there's mm-hmm. people from all over the world. So differences were embraced, you know, it didn't really stick out. Um, it's not until I moved to the U S and was really exposed more to like Western culture that I started really feeling that like the differences between the culture of my parents and then the culture of the environment that I'm in right now or the country that I'm in. Yeah. Got you. But that, I mean, being in South Africa, 
that young and going to school in an international, like that's definitely, um, yeah, like experiencing a different like culture and being in that multicultural space. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure, like you said, it's a rainbow. Um, what do you call it? Rainbow Nation? What did you say? Rainbow, rainbow Nation. Nation. Yeah. Okay, got you. So there's a lot of people from different places. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, being on the continent is different than coming to the U.S. Exactly. Yeah, because there's probably like other people from different African countries. Mm-hmm. Got you. Okay, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but I mean, people from everywhere, honestly, anywhere you could think of, I probably went to school with them, Brazilians, um, Tanzanians, Zimbabweans, freaking Chinese, Korean, all types of people. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. Dang. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I knew he was in South Africa, but I didn't know all that. <laughs> yeah, girl. I loved it, though. I really love being able to, like, that's one of my passions in life is, like, experiencing different cultures, which is why I love traveling so much. I love to ingrain myself in other people's culture. Like I love to pick up a little bit of other people's language. You can tell, but like just having Ethiopian friends, like I learned how to make Ethiopian food. I know a little bit of Amharic, like here and there, like, you know, I like, I love, I love different cultures and I love learning. Absolutely. Well, I guess, um, just to share a little bit for me, uh, so I would be like considered second generation Eritrean and Ethiopian. And so that means my family, my parents came over when they were, um, you know, college age, went to school here. And then I grew up, like was born here and grew up here. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I probably went to the opposite type of school where it wasn't, you know, it wasn't international. I grew up in a small town, small city, I would say, um, a suburb of it. Uh, And it was basically like just when you think about like cultural, like ethnic demographics, it was pretty much just black and white. Mm-hmm. It was like a little bit like here and there, like I, there's like one Filipino girl I can remember. Like there was some like Algerian families um, here and there, but like, no, it was just like the conversation was really just black and white. So I kind of just like fit in where I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the thing was, at least when I think about like my um, my ethnic identity, my parents and specifically my father was like very like you are Ethiopian, like know that, like you mm-hmm. are an Asefa, like. And I just remember thinking like I've never been like ashamed of being African, mm-hmm. but like and you know back then like it, it was, was not cool. cool. No, not it was cool. Mm-hmm. Now it's cool. Everybody know Afrobeat. Everybody know dance hall. Like, Cheekies. Yeah, they rock and they dock shikis. They know yeah. brand boy, da da da. But like back then, it's like African booty scratcher. And like, <laughs> girl, I still have trauma from that insult. Okay, I feel triggered. I, but the thing is, like, I was so miskeen. I was like, what does that even mean? Like, I actually don't. I don't know what that means. Like, <laughs> I I was just like, huh? But I never felt like any like shame or anything because yeah. I think. I just had a strong like base uh, foundation and just, yeah. And my mom's like sister, um, my eldest aunt and her daughter, my cousin lived with us like my first five years. So it was just like, I had this like real strong, like support, even like, yeah, just that image, um, you know, and, and, and yeah, I just never felt, I never felt weird. Never felt like maybe more like, you know, what, 
who's my friend, like who really mm-hmm. understands, like, you know, they, they made me go through ESL for what reason? I don't know. <laughs> but they said, your name sound different. You in the English second language. <laughs> I was like, for what reason? <laughs> What's the reason? What was the reason? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, essentially that, that was me. But yeah, growing up in the white suburbs of Ohio. Mm-hmm. but your girl made it out alive so that's all that really counts exactly yeah so I would say like um when I think about this conversation um being American but not quote American um why do you think like these just like unpacking our stories of being like bicultural or however you want to call it why do you think that's important maybe for our context of like pursuing wholeness? Um, I think for me, because people want to belong and I feel like sometimes being bicultural or experiencing so many different cultures during developmental years creates kind of this like feeling of, I don't know where I fit in all the way. Cause mm-hmm. um, when I'm in, South Africa, I have a, I sound American when I'm speaking English. Mm-hmm. When I'm in America, people are like, you sound different. Where are you from? When I'm in Congo, they're like, oh, she's American. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I have everywhere I go, it's kind of like, where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you from? Because I, sometimes even when people ask me where I'm from, I have a hard time even saying where I'm from. Because I've lived equally in Congo, equally in South Africa, and now in the States. So I'm kind of from everywhere. And so with the conversation of wholeness, I think it's important because it kind of creates, it can create like a confusion in my identity. When I'm around my Congolese family, I can kind of feel like an outsider because I don't necessarily adhere to or agree with all of the cultural norms or all of our traditions in that culture. Although I love my culture um, and I love where I'm from. But then also when I'm with American people or in an American um, where people are predominantly American or white, I also feel like I don't necessarily, white or black actually, American, I'll just go with American. I also necessarily don't feel like I fit in because of things like the movies people grew up um, Mm -hmm. watching, the terminology, the music, like the things that people learned as they were growing up in their households in America, I can't really relate to because I wasn't here around that time. So at first it was creating for me like a lot of confusion because I wanted to fit in somewhere. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the more you pursue wholeness or the more you try to get to know yourself, the more you realize that Literally everything that you're made of is what makes you so beautiful and unique that you don't really have to fit in under a certain box. You don't really have to identify 100% with something. It's Mm -hmm. actually a beautiful thing that I can pick a little bit from Congo and a little bit from from America and a little bit from South Africa, all the things that I love about those cultures. Mm -hmm. And I can bring those together and identify with those things. I don't have to be just one thing for me. Yeah, Absolutely. I what think about you? Said, well, I was really resonating with what you said about like not fitting in and like feeling like, uh, yeah, not like a strong sense of belonging. Like even though I had that, like you are Ethiopian, like you, um, you know, this is who you are, be confident in it. 
there is that, but there's also like, oh, when you go back home, when you're around your family, it's like maybe oh, roasting you, don't, you about it, roasting. And I'm like, I'm trying to speak to Rinya. Like, why are you like mm-hmm. making it hard for me? But it's like, yeah, you don't feel like Eritrean enough for mm-hmm. your Eritrean family. You don't feel American enough for um, the American side. And so, yeah, that there is that like kind of yeah tension, like inner tension and. And also when you're when you're talking about your your cultural values and like how you want to lead your life and mm. um, the type of relationships you want to have, it's like those there's like your Abisha values and then there's your the things maybe like more Western and uh, like, you know, you just grew up in that space. You you developed in like I used to always say like, oh, I went to school in America, but I came home to Ethiopia. Like that's kind of how I grew up. And so how do you merge those well? Like, how do you pick and choose? Um, and like you said, like, I love my culture. I've never been ashamed of that. Like, there's nothing, um, you know, nothing wrong with that. But there are some things that's like, I, I don't I don't want to take that on with me mm-hmm. um, like, as I, like, move and, and lead, a like, a full, like, healthy life and um, just, like, pursuing, yeah, wholeness. Right. Like, I want to leave that in, in the background, the things that, you know, our parents didn't you know, the, the resources maybe the ways that they had to like cope with things. And part of that, even for my story is like, my parents are immigrants, they're refugees, like mm-hmm. that's stressful, like that's mm-hmm. trauma. And like, there's ways like they had to cope and they just had to like deal, like they didn't have the time to stop and think like, oh, let me get some therapy. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, let, like everybody's going through the same trauma. You're not going to like go and confide in other people it's like everybody's having a hard time like it, it was just hard on that generation and so we're the generation coming out of that and trying to lead our lives maybe in a different way right and not only that they didn't have the time it was never a priority based on our cultural backgrounds like to speak very plainly there's a lot of toxicity in our cultures um and i personally for me i'll speak about being from Congo, I think a lot of it has to do with religion and how people have interpreted religion and how people Mm -hmm. have interpreted God. And that's where a lot of that toxicity comes in. And so for me, being exposed to um, Western culture, being exposed to um, therapy, self-help, self-development, um, psychology, sociology, all of that stuff for me has opened my eyes to like, there are a lot of ways that our parents, um, live their lives, um, that created unnecessary suffering. And I Mm -hmm. don't want that for myself. And so the biggest issue I face now is acknowledging, my culture, acknowledging my parents' experiences while also choosing my truth and choosing my path without it being that I'm a band, without it looking like I'm abandoning my culture mm. and without it looking like I'm rejecting my culture. You know, mm. I can love my culture, but that doesn't mean that I have to adhere to the norms, like I said before. Totally. You bring yeah. up a good point because I do see that, and that's in a lot of places, like, I think in the global South, like, you know, South America, Africa, like, um, this kind of, like, toxic, oh gosh, quote, Christianity, or religion, mm-hmm. really, like, any, I mean, I see it in religion. other, like, other yeah. religions, too, like, 
you know, you have the very like egotistical leader or prophet, they be calling them prophets now. Um, and, and, and just like kind of like abusive, like church environment, like, mm-hmm. you know, you given so much money so you can be healed, like da, 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 da. And somehow that gets mixed into the culture too. Mm-hmm. So kind mm-hmm. of like having to like name that and be like, okay, this is like something that got mixed in and I can like take that part out and not feel like less African or less mm-hmm. like um, less um, identifying mm. with my like culture. And have you, have you noticed, sorry to interrupt you. Have you no. noticed that sometimes people within our culture will use that as an insult to be like, Oh, you're Americanized. Oh, you for like, sure. Like, I'm just like, wow. Okay. That's an insult yeah. now. Yeah. Most definitely. And I think that, man, and that's part of, you see, okay, hold on. Because I, I feel like I get that on both sides. Yes. So there's like on the Ethiopian side, the African side, whatever. It's like, yeah, if I like speak up, if I, you know, say like, mm, this doesn't sit right with me. Um, or I'm, yeah, I just like kind of express a little bit of dissent. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, because you, you were born here, you know, you in the West, like, da 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 da. Oh, mm-hmm. you just, you know, you're so good with your words. Like, da da da. That's what I get. And I'm like, all right. Like, I, I can't take that personally. I'm like, I'm still going to show up and try to have conversation. Like, it is what it is. Um, but then on the American side, um, how that comes up for me uh, now that I'm thinking about it is like, at least in the U.S., because it's such a racialized society, mm-hmm. it's very white and black. At mm-hmm. least the where we've been in Ohio, mm-hmm. um, and it's like if you don't fit in perfectly into, like you know, the African American, um, you know, uh, I guess the depiction. stereotype, the yeah, depiction picture, yeah, picture. Then it's like, yeah. are you black? Right? Are you black? And also. Oh, you're you're white, like, or you're assimilated, mm-hmm. um, and 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 I've gotten that not a whole lot, but I've gotten that before, mm-hmm. and so I really had to like process that because before, like, when I'm itching for belonging, when I was young, I'm like, no, 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 I'm trying to fit in. Like, am I like that? Like, what is that? And like, really, like, kind of feeling bogged down by that uh, type of like comment, or I'm specifically thinking of this one girl um, that tried to say that to me. But I, I was thinking about it and I'm like, no, like in this, at least in this country, I don't know about South Africa, like because it's on the continent, maybe there's like, oh, like because it's so international, it's like, oh, there's no like, you know, very like stark like dichotomy, either you're in this camp or you're in this camp. Mm-hmm. But in this country, that's the conversation is very black and white. So if your blackness doesn't look exactly like this, you must be white. Mm-hmm. And I had to like realize that and feel like, oh, okay, because well, I guess I'm I'm not African American mm-hmm. because I'm not African American. It's not like I'm not black. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Ethiopian. I'm actually like I have this like mixture of experiences. I'm multicultural. Like, mm-hmm. um, and and when you like read more about what what a third culture kid is, it's this person that they essentially like they resonate with a lot of different cultures they they attune to their environment 
like when I'm around my Abisha friends, like Tarina comes out, mm-hmm. like the accent comes out. I'm talking about certain things, um, you know, and then when I'm with my American friends from this camp, like this part comes out, these things come out. And so it's like very um, relational, very attuned, Absolutely. very like, you know, just just different parts come out. And so right. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I would like to be a little bit more integrated, like mm-hmm. the same Makta for the most part, um, if, or at least feeling known in all my maktas, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily that I'm changing or anything, but like I would like everybody to know me, like the different parts of me. But yeah, that was one thing that I was thinking about when you were saying like the belonging piece. I'm like, yeah, like a part of me thinks like it, it's, it's harder to be a third culture person in America because the the idea of like being white is so center mm-hmm. and it looks only like this and these other things like black is the opposite of white mm-hmm. so it has to look like this and so yeah just people are always thinking through this racialized sen- uh, lens and mm-hmm. you you know people just assume a lot about you and it can mm-hmm. be hard to like kind of make your own way yeah my experience with with that though as you were talking I'm like wow I love being a third culture person because it's allowed me to be able to create relationships and deep relationships in any space that I find myself in because I've been exposed to so many different cultures because I've traveled so much it doesn't really matter what room you put me in I'm gonna come out of that room with a friend you know and that's something for me that being a third culture person has has brought into my life or that's what that experience has given me as a gift, honestly. So, yeah, I love it. I love every part. I think I think it's about um, fighting against accepting other people's truths as your own, accepting like your truth is yours don't let anybody else tell you how you should be, who you should be based off of their like depiction of that race or that group. You know what I mean? Like uh, before it would be offensive to me if someone from my culture says, oh, you're so Americanized because I have a boundary. Now I'm like, well, if having boundaries means I'm Americanized, I'll take that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the things that are adding value into my life on either on either side, you know, if being more traditional um, about the way I date, for example, makes me too African or too traditional, I'll take that. You know, these are just examples like mm-hmm. the things that are enhancing your life and making you feel good and making you feel happy. I feel like at the end of the day, it's about choosing your truth and being able to speak it in whatever space that you're in. Because at the end of the day, they're your experiences and no one, no doctor, no family member, no friend can tell you better than yourself what your experience has been. And which is why, like, even when we were talking before we started recording, you were like, you know, this is a conversation, um, about our lived experiences. No one who's researched it can tell us better than ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And you apply that, apply that to every area of your life. Yeah, absolutely. I think exactly what you're saying to even what I was talking about before, like feeling a little bit uh, bogged down by those like harsh 
dichotomies, especially being in the Midwest uh, region of the U.S., it's like, yeah, people are affirming like what they know. Mm -hmm. They only know that paradigm of black looking like this, white looking like this. Mm -hmm. And it's, I need to say it plainly, it's like that is what whiteness does. That is white supremacy. Like it defines what what the other races are Mm -hmm. and they can only look like these stereotypes. And so people play into that not knowing Right. Um, so I don't need to take that personally. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I mean, similar to other things that we talk about, like w- when people act a certain way, it's like it's more to do with them than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that applies um, in this in this way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask you this question. So as a third culture kid, how do you thrive? How do you thrive? I feel like – like what I just said, um, as a third culture kid, I feel like you thrive by accepting your history and your experiences and accept, not only accepting them, but embracing them and finding the beauty in them. You know, it's a beautiful thing to be able to experience multiple cultures. Some people are raised, born and die in the same city. Mm-hmm. you know, in the same neighborhood. Sometimes we could even go that, that small. So for me, it's about, um, finding the beauty in those experiences and also being very like loud and proud about it in whatever space you're in. So like, if you are, you, you know, with your American friends and you, you know, teaching them about your African culture or wherever you're from, wherever your parents are from, like where, you know, Congo, like for you guys, my Ethiopian friends, I'll like cook fufu for you guys and Mm -hmm. show you the music that we listen to in our country and um, what I've learned and all of those things. I think it's it's about owning your truth and being uh, unafraid to speak it regardless of where you are and who's around you. What you said reminded me of one thing too is like finding like go tos mm-hmm. that are similar. Yeah, like when I think about you know bringing yeah. here and stuff, it's like that space. Even though like I have friends that I've known longer, or, you know, I probably like you know you identify with them. Your other friends here, I'm your <laughs> only friend. Don't do that. I'm done with you. <laughs> But on the real though, it's like that that group of girls is like I don't have to explain anything. Right. Like there's no like the type of humor, the type of stuff that I say, the the kind of like cultural norms, the um, you know, of course, like, you know, when we get together is is this like we're gonna like I, I just there's certain things like it's not so like standard with Americans or Mm -hmm. um, it's like, you don't have to explain with your, your friends that are, that are Abisha, that are Congolese, that, um, you know, their parents, you know, and we have other friends. They're not just Congo and and Ethiopia. It's like, you know, African friends, just say, yeah, just basically African friends. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm beating around the bush. So now let me just say a point, make a point for them. Find people like you. Yeah. yeah, find people like you that they they know you that you can just bring all of yourself with, and you don't have to like, um, yeah, just like edit yourself, mm-hmm. uh, and just like go where you're celebrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's the main thing too. It's like, 
yeah, I don't have to like dumb down or water down any part of me, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to my culture and mm-hmm. like my values, my manner of thinking, my belief systems, all that type of mm-hmm. stuff. Like, is we're on the same page, right? And I think that's what's like that's one of the hard parts that that's what helps, um, like with belonging is like, yeah, finding th- that community where it's just the same. Cause that's what we were talking about. Like, we don't feel like African enough. We don't feel Western enough. It's like, then we got to find those people that could also identify as a third culture kid. Right. Um, yeah. And then the last thing too, I was thinking of was, um, just being, taking time to like process, like where you stand, um, when it comes to things around like um relationships um Mm -hmm. boundaries um just like your past like your um yeah just your emotions the the things that we talk about in regards to wholeness the things that we want to like heal from the type of skills that we want to have when it comes to like our inner life and our emotional life um our spiritual life our um you know our relationships that we have I think like figuring out like where you stand um, Mm -hmm. would is like good and it's protective. And, you know, I, I won't like for me, I think knowing that I've kind of like deviated a little bit from maybe the Western, you know, idea of like being super individualistic. Mm -hmm. And so I won't be so like, you know, I'll take, I'll take it with a, with a grain of salt you know, if I get like some advice about like boundaries, I'm like, okay, like that doesn't apply totally to me in this way because I still live in a communal culture. I still want to like maintain that with, you know, my girls, with my family and stuff. So when people be like, oh, cut them off, cut them off. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that every time, you Mm -hmm. know, or um, like even with my family and be like, oh, I, you know, even though they'd probably like it better if I didn't like speak up in this way or um I kind of just assumed my role mm-hmm. um now I've kind of decided like oh no like in an appropriate way in a respectful way like I will have a conversation about this or I'll like put a boundary there if that's not like um respected so I think kind of figuring out like where you stand on certain things and mm-hmm. how you want to like move forward it's it's kind of like just like thinking deeper like critically thinking like okay, this is where I'm at. Like, this is it. I think, yeah, that's, that's part of like the wholeness piece when you are, when you do have this like multicultural background, Mm 